Now, for our next story, love didn't just give Adam's life meaning. Love gave him a cause. Number five, run a half marathon. So how often do you, do you run? Uh, this past week has been really bad. Today might be rough. <laughs> It's a really good way for me to sort through my to-do list. And have you ever been a runner? No, I'm not a runner. This must be love. Yeah, definitely is love. Number four. Live in at least five different countries. So far, I've only got Canada and Korea. Megan and I met in 2007 on a friend's roof. This is in Seoul, South Korea. Our mutual friend, whose name is Joanna, I met Joanna my first day in Korea. And I mean, from the second day, she started talking about her best friend that was coming over to, to live and teach. From the beginning, said, you can't date, you can't date, you're not allowed to date this girl. She was concerned that it would like ruin the, the friend dynamic. So I turned into a big joke and would send this girl that I didn't know at all uh, just like really weird emails and stuff that didn't make any sense or like lyrics to really cheesy pop songs. It is kind of a funny way to start dating, to joke about starting to, joke to about date. dating, yeah. Yeah, it was totally, yeah, we spent like two months joking about dating and then she got there and we dated like a month later. We developed this habit of getting on city buses and just riding it to the end of the line. You go really far outside the city. So you get to see like really interesting, crazy parts of Korea. So we just hop on a bus and ride it to the end. They had a crossbow range there. It was an actual crossbow that you could shoot at balloons. Like really? an actual, like an old wooden, it was awesome. So I won Megan, I don't know, a stuffed bear or something stupid. That's incredibly dangerous. It was so sketchy, it was great. So that was your place only? Yeah, I think that was like our one-year anniversary. The next summer, in 2008, she felt a, a lump, and then she wanted to get it checked out. Everybody, of course, is like, oh, don't worry about it, it's not going to be a big deal. I remember being a little, definitely worried. Um, your mind naturally kind of goes in every direction possible to maybe try and prepare you for all of the outcomes so yeah, I was definitely scared, but I, I, I really honestly didn't think it would be anything. She'd already had the biopsy, so we went in to talk to the doctor about, I guess, the results of it. He didn't speak perfect English. He didn't want anything to be lost in translation. He just says, like, I you have, it's bad. He kind of danced around it for a second and then just said it. You have breast cancer. And he, yeah, we just... She immediately went into the, I have to know everything about this mode, so I'm fully prepared for it, and I have control over this. Right that second? or Right that second. It was like a switch. She, her head didn't drop, <laughs> and I was trying to find something to throw through his computer. I was just thinking that we had to leave Korea as soon as possible for treatment and all that. But yeah, she went back to Petrolia, and I moved back to D.C. Wait, so she was in Canada. You weren't even in the same country. No, it was not easy at all. Healthcare in Canada is awesome, so she couldn't move here. 
all of 2009 was like breast cancer treatment. She had a mastectomy. When they were doing that, they found more cancer cells in the lymph node in her armpit. So they removed like all of the lymph nodes. It took probably a month for the surgery to heal. And then they started her on chemo like right away. Her fingernails turned really yellow and all, some of them almost came off, which is pretty normal for it. It's, it's gruesome and it's awful. And, and she dealt with it. Oh, she definitely, she more than dealt with it. She documented the whole thing in a blog. That was just like a really straightforward, honest approach to what happens when you're young and you deal with breast cancer. She wanted to put it out there to help other people so other people would get encouragement and insight. I mean, put pictures of the scar that she had on her chest or, you know, what her hair looked like when it all fallen out or her fingernails. Cancer is awful and it's especially awful for women because the things that they go through, like they lose all the things that outwardly make them a woman and it's so unfair. She was pretty self-sufficient. She oftentimes was comforting me more than I was doing for her, making me feel better about it. Yeah. This thing that you love, this perfect, this perfect thing that you went out and found that is all yours and loves you just as much as you love it is now being dissected and taken apart. After radiation, she had periodic checkups and those came back clear. Her hair started growing back and she was really excited to have haircuts and like get a job. And Last winter even she came and spent San Diego and met all of my family out here and it was a great trip. Yeah. Number 17, get married. No pressure, Adam. I'd been thinking about it for a long time. I didn't make very much money, so I couldn't, like, save. So I didn't really, like, have enough money to get her a ring or anything. But you search your whole life for, like, the perfect person. And I found that. I wanted, like, everything to be perfect for her. We went to Ottawa for the weekend. I uh, proposed in the hotel room at, like, 7 in the morning. She was an early riser and would get bored, so if you didn't wake up, then she would start poking you. But I tricked her into getting me a water bottle. I told her I was really thirsty and wanted some water, and she's like, what? You're just as far as it from the water as I am. You can do that yourself. And I was like, I don't feel like it. So, <laughs> that's so, so lame. Yes. I know, it was really weak. <laughs> She came back in with a water bottle and I had, I like put it on her pillow and she's <laughs> what is that? It's a ring. She's like, well, what is it? What's the, what's it for? Well, it's for you. Will you marry me? You're an idiot. Number 11, complete the weekend to end breast cancer, six kilometer walk in Toronto. In January 2010, she started getting like headaches, really bad headaches. She went to the doctor, they did like CAT scans or MRIs or whatever, and it had metastasized, it had come back, and it has two uh, tumors in the back of her brain. When breast cancer comes back in the brain, that we knew that it was terminal. We just didn't know how long. Yeah, it it went downhill like really, really, really quickly. 
the like the ambulance came and took her to the hospital and we were there and the doctor told us what was going on and everything and gave her the choice of going back home like making her comfortable enough to go back home or passing away in the hospital and she chose the hospital why do you think i think because she didn't want to make it hard on her family to be in the house me and her mom and her dad were in the room with her when she passed away was she coherent? Did she talk? Yeah. She wanted to know, like, how long. And her dad said not long. And she told her mom was going to be okay. And then, like, laid back and was totally comfortable and just, like, went to sleep. It was, it was weird. <laughs> it was really strange. This is like really insanely tangible pain. Right when she passed away, I remember not being able to stand up. I was like bent over sobbing. And I couldn't stand up because it hurt so bad. It, that literally feels like being crushed, getting hit by a bus, being run over by a train. Number seven, master the following. Sewing, knitting and crocheting. Number six. On my way with knitting. Spend at least a hundred hours volunteering. So far, I'm up to four. Go to an NHL game. Don't really care where. I just read at least twelve books a year. The first thing that I thought of right after she passed away, right outside the hospital. This was the first moment of clarity that I had. Number six not included. Go to the symphony. Number twenty-three. Get some darn shiny, nice new glasses. Megan had this list of goals and she posted on her blog as a list of things that she wanted to accomplish before she passed away. Number eight, become part owner of a bed Number and 12, breakfast. Own a little cottage by a lake. Two. Learn Number another 20. language. Go snowshoeing. Hold a PhD. It was the one thing that I knew that I had to do. I didn't have necessarily a purpose before other than to be with Megan and make her happy every day. Yeah. I mean, this is like a hard question to ask, but I guess I wonder fulfilling the goals on the list will make it even harder down the road to move on. She tried to, to talk to me about it before she passed away. I want you to be happy. Like, I don't want you to be upset and go live by yourself in a shack in the woods, you know, and drink yourself to death. I know that she wants that for me, but I don't, none of that feels right right now. Completing her goals, that feels right. So it might make it harder, but I honestly, like, <laughs> I don't want to look for something better. Like, I don't want to move on. I don't want to feel better about it. I don't want to pretend like this isn't a thing for me anymore. I still want to, like, feel upset and feel, like, brokenhearted and, yeah. Oh. Too much pressure, Adam? Too much pressure. Too much pressure? <laughs> You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Okay. Sweet. Oh. Oh. Wow. (laughs) 
Adam is still pursuing his goal to complete Megan's list. He's taken a train across Canada, volunteered with children in India, and he isn't stopping anytime soon. Follow his journey at fortheloveofmegan.org. We'll have a link on our site. This story was brought to us by Nick Vanderkolk. He's the producer of the amazing Vocalo.org podcast, Love and Radio. It was produced by himself, Sean Cole, Ashley Ahern, with help from Eva Watchover. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.